This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. The perception of hunting, you know, has changed. It's our duty now, our responsibility as hunters, to change it back. We've spent the last few decades trying, you know, espousing that that message, preaching that message about wildlife conservation. You know, we've it's fallen on deaf ears. All of our attempts. I think what what we have to do is is maybe uh, appeal to the emotional side or the visceral side. We have to tell our story. We know what we are. We know how deeply we care about wildlife. It's just the people out there that are, that are you know, voting to get rid of hunting, they don't understand our stories. Sometimes we, we have to translate it to something that they understand. Sorry, rough start. Dog's barking. Um, <laughs> Joe uh, Karpinski, Steve Hamilton, how's it going, boys? Good, guys. How are you? It's going well. Uh, happy to be here. Awesome, huh? It's weird. It's, it's weird to be doing another podcast without Kyle, but he's down in, where is he, Mexico now or something? Yeah, he's down at a board meeting down in Mexico for uh, WSF. So he's got his other other duties away from us. Yeah, so we get to have some fun hanging out with some cool guys and having some good conversations, eh? Absolutely. Not just him. <laughs> Not just him. It's our turn. <laughs> so, yeah, as Steve just mentioned, we're switching things up a bit, and uh, I'll be hosting today, and, and Steve will be uh, my backup when I fail. So let's just get into it there, Joe. Um, I'm going to be I'm gonna be the hype man, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Go, yeah, boy, every, like, minute or so. That work, works for me. So, Joe, for the... The folks at home, let's, uh, who are you? Where are you from? Um, name is obviously Joe Karpinski. Um, grew up in Maple Ridge and kind of lived all over the province over the past 10 years and spent uh, quite a bit of time hunting and fishing. All right, on. Now, being in the lower mainland, it's always a little bit difficult. Were you, uh, to get into the hunting world, were you bor- born into it, raised, or addled on set? How would that go? Um, from as far back as I can remember, my, uh, old man was dragging me into the woods. Um, he's got pictures of me when I was, you know, two, three, uh, out along with him on hunting trips and riding along in the pickup and, um, same thing, fishing and camping and dragging me out in the boat. And so all I can, all I can really remember growing up is every spare chance we had, we seemed to be, we were heading out into the wilderness. That's awesome. Do you have one, uh, one kind of moment where like that happened, say you were with your old man out in the bush and just something that happened where it's, this is, this is my passion. This is, this is for me. This is what I, w- I want to do. I, I honestly can't really think of too many specific moments. Like he, like his passion for the outdoors is like, obviously extremely instilled in me. Um, he uh like the guy just lights up when he sees animals like you know same thing when you hook a fish like it's hard to describe that feeling and and excitement and like he was so good at it and he just so he just loved like 
being there, like, you know, like we were pretty good at fishing, I'll say over the years. So, you know, we definitely always had seemed to have quite a bit of action. Um, and you know, he had, he spent a lot of time scouting in summers and finding animals. And we, uh, we always seemed to have good luck hunting as well. It was just kind of, a something our family always did and spent a lot of time doing. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard to beat being raised like that. And your social media definitely shows that uh, fishing kind of comes naturally to you boys for sure. Yeah, it's definitely um, uh, Andy having uh, a lot of access to it. And, you know, in the lower mainland, there's still lots of opportunities to get out as much as you can. And, I mean, we lived a block away from a river growing up. So it was like, again, elementary school. I remember riding down to the river almost every day with my buddies fishing for trout or salmon or whatever we could down at the river yeah that's uh we had the being from maple ridge i'm sure we we're fishing the same spots probably crossed paths more than a few times when we were younger and never even realized it now my yeah. son's down there all the time down and uh under the bridge i'm sure you know which bridge if you're riding down to the river <laughs> but uh yeah no they're uh that's awesome that we, similar similar childhood similar raised the same that's now i see you're uh you're, you're taking that role with your kids coming up there you got them in the outdoors every chance you get it seems uh how important is that to you it's extremely important to me um you know my wife she didn't really grow up with the uh you, you know utilizing the outdoors the same way we did they did lots of boating and camping and stuff but um like when we got married like, you know, it was still kind of new to her, um, the whole outdoor world. And she didn't really obviously know it to the full extent that, you know, I live it up to be. Um, and, you know, the way the modern world's changing and everything, and you see a lot of people have become a lot more distant from the outdoors. Um, I don't want my kids to not live those same experiences I had. Because I feel like they made me like, you know, I like to think I'm a good person and I try hard and I work hard and, um, you know, I feel like you learn a lot of skills out there that you use in everyday life. And, and I feel like you also learn to appreciate life a little more. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's something, something about getting the, the kids out there and having them follow in your footsteps. That's there's something special about that for sure. Um, now you let's get into the, the fun stuff here. Cause you're uh, you're you're kind of a, a silent killer there. You're uh, you're always seem to be putting stuff down and doing a pretty good job. At least you make it look like it. <laughs> so this September, you uh, you had a good start to the the season, didn't you? What happened there? Yeah, um, we set up camp for elk, and like we got there at eight in the morning. It was still bow season. Um, I literally threw my stuff in the truck and hiked probably 300 yards and let out my first bugle and had my first response. So I was pretty excited and we, uh, we were into them right away and, you know, morning and night we were, uh, talking a lot and seemed to just only intensify from there. And, uh, yeah, it took me a couple days, but, you know, hiking into some pretty nasty terrain and got lucky and, uh, managed to call out my first legal bull. I've, you know, seen a few, had a few chances, but 
it was uh, pretty awesome to finally get my hands on one and enjoy that experience. Now, when you're getting lots of talking back and forth, were you getting one of those bugle battles with them and screaming at each other? Because I've been in a few of those, and man, there's there's no sound I've experienced in BC anyways that can compare to that outside, like bone chilling. Yeah, I uh, we, we kind of grew up moose hunting, so elk was kind of new to us. So, you know, we've been doing it for the past five years, and last year was the first year we actually – um, actually took some elk. Um, so there's been uh, some learning experiences along the way. And, um, I'm like, after, you know, lots of trial and error, I found where I've been going, it seems to be a few bulls always around every morning when you first start. And what I do, I listen for the bull who wants to play the most, like some bulls might sound bigger, but like if I got a bull who's play in and responded to me every time I just pick him and I just start going at him and I'm I'm pretty aggressive with, with elk hunting and um you know I try to sound like a couple of elk as I'm crashing my way towards them I'm, I'm definitely not too careful about being super quiet I try to close the distance the best I can and and the closer I get kind of more I try to aggravate him with some bugles and and try to like step on his turf a little bit and it definitely worked um I had two mornings in a row where I had a bull like 50 yards in the thick stuff and I couldn't really get him to commit. And he was kind of chuckling at me. And then, you know how they do that bark. Um, I think he was basically calling me a wuss cause I wouldn't show myself and come all the way into him. Cause I crashed my whole way into him. Um, and yeah, he ended up barking at me and then he just ended up turning around and bugling his way away from me. And, again, just kind of more learning experiences and like he was hung up so close for so, so long for me, it was probably at least a good 15, 20 minutes. I had him at 50 yards and I feel like he was just getting tired of me, not, not committing to him. Right. And then, uh, the next morning, um, I went again and I ended up, I, I, what I think is the same bull anyway, I, I followed him for probably a K maybe K and a half. And he kind of like paralleled me for about maybe 300 yards away. And he paralleled me all the way down and over this ridge. And as soon as i got over the ridge into this ravine, I kind of like, I think, I think he was a little slow moving into the ravine and I caught up to him a little faster. And, uh, yeah, he ended up spinning around and I had him just right pissed off and finally got a good look at him and, you know, saw the little fork up top and, you know, he's not a, not a super big bull, but he's, you know, a nice old mature bull, good six. And, you know, as soon as I got that count, I knew I wasn't, I was going to make it work. Yeah. That was one of the biggest game changers for me. I've got very limited experience elk hunting, but the first couple of times I tried it, when you're kind of prancing through the woods, being all quiet and stealthy, they, they tend to shut up and bugger off because when you think about it, you're a predator, right? You're, you're trying to sneak in, but when you're bashing through the bush and not really caring about snapping twigs and being a little more aggressive, they tend to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like, you know, like anytime you've ever, if you've ever called one in, they're not quiet. They're a huge animal. And, and like they live in, you know, majority of the areas, they're pretty thick bush. So like, you know, they're, they're breaking everything on their way into you and crashing around and, 
And then it is amazing when you get one coming in silent that like, you know, they just shock you because how does an animal that big come in so quiet? And, you know, generally they're the smaller bulls for what we've seen, but it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's incredible how, uh, how stealthy those big boys can get. They just, once they bust you, it's like sounds gone. They disappear. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand where you've gone. I'm like, I can see the hillside. You just poof out yeah. of there. Yeah. It's like, it's like watching stranger things. They just go to the upside down, right? They're gone. Yeah. So, so that, uh, your elk, you know, you, you got it down, had all your fun leading up to it. Looked like it, uh, the picture I seen anyways, looks like it went down in a, a tough area to get something out. What was that pack out like? I mean, my brother-in-law is probably still hurting from that pack out. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny afterwards, you know, he, uh, he mentioned that, you know, he's like, oh, this is probably the worst pack out of my life. And then he, you know, he mentions another mountain that he uh, hiked the year before. And uh, I laughed. I'm like, oh, man, both those involved me dragging you around somewhere. Um, yeah, it's uh, it pretty steep terrain um, where he ended up dying. And uh, it's probably about five, 600 yards, like, straight up. And then you kind of end up on this nice little plateau, and which is just full of brutal deadfall. Um, so, But the best part about the whole thing was... I, when I'd shot the bull, I got up to him and, you know, we in reached my buddy and he, he had to come about a kilometer over to meet me on the ridge. And when he met me, we we're kind of celebrating and I, we kind of started because it was such a thick spot where he died and, you know, big animal, we're not trying to get a decent picture uh, for the memory bank. And I started cutting away some small bushes with a knife to kind of make you know, get him out of the way. And I cut right through one of them and I actually stabbed myself right in the calf muscle about an inch, just over an inch deep. And like right away, I'm like, oh man, I just stabbed myself in the leg and like I'm holding pressure and I'm like, I got a first aid kit in my, in my bag. I always carry. And, you know, I, I lift the pant leg up and, you know, it's a, you know, obviously a sharp hunting knife, perfect clean cut. And I'm looking and I can like, you know, I can see the meat in my calf and I'm like, this, this is probably not good. And, uh, you know, somehow it didn't, it didn't bleed too much. You know, I wrapped her up pretty good and, you know, a little tourniquet on and, you know, just below the knee. And, uh, we ended up hiking all the way back out to, uh, to camp and, you know, getting some help and bandage the thing up a little better at camp. And then we ended up hiking all the way back to the bull and uh you know breaking them up and, and packing them all the way out and, you know by the time i got back up to camp second time uh, you know pants are pretty bloody and um uh, but it was kind of start at least stopped bleeding by the time we got back up and you know things were okay and it was uh definitely not the best scene but you know good reminder for everybody to you know pack a decent first aid kit in your pack you know not just the truck because you never know what can happen out there and um, you know, once we got back to camp, we, you know, cleaned it up a l- pretty good. And, you know, my dad had some crazy glue and, uh, <laughs> patched her up and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been all right. The, uh, there was definitely a little bit of, uh, kind of internal bleeding that kind of ended up showing through and from about my knee down to my ankle. And, 
no, uh, I've got it all checked out since and everything looks okay. <laughs> awesome. What kind of pack were you running? I run a mystery ranch Marshall. Um, I've had that thing for probably seven or eight years now and it's hauled out a lot of animals and it's never, never, ever bothered me. I absolutely love it. It's a good reminder though, for the first aid kit, that's something that a lot of people just over overlook right they've they've got a great one that sits back at camp or in their truck and when you're in the bush a couple of k all of a sudden it's a bit of a uh, a nightmare if you're you've got to deal with something like that yeah absolutely it can happen fast like just a you know a, a quick uh, a dumb thing to do and you know obviously cut, cut away from you too right just like you're supposed to <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah quick, quick lesson learned for sure that uh shouldn't have happened yeah, sometimes that excitement takes over and you you live and learn, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what uh we seeing a nice nice deer on the wall back there. You got a story behind that guy? That's- uh that, that's actually one of my old man's bucks. Um he's uh he downsized um his nice big house into a little rancher and he's you know, he's a quite accomplished hunter himself and He's uh, doesn't have the wall space, so that, this one gets to hide with me. I got a couple others in here, a couple white tails, and uh, yeah. but this is just the this is my little hunting room I got here that I have too much stuff in, and the good the big the big boys Perfect. hide upstairs. Perfect. Now let's get into uh, the one thing we all love and what brings us all together sheep you uh had not last year the year before was it your first sheep hunt you guys doubled down start on the top of that it was a hike in flying what's going on with that uh we did a hike in trip um there was four of us and we kind of had our area picked out we one of our friends had been in there before um so it was nice to have some local knowledge of the area and I think he'd been in there three times. Knew there was lots of sheep in there. Um, he had taken one ram before. Um, we ended up hiking in. It's, you know, I think it was about 16K up into the back end. And we kind of split up at the bottom of this big drainage. And, you know, they kind of went to the one mountain range and we went to the other. And uh, they actually got lucky opening morning. And uh, they shot a nice um, seven-year-old ram, you know. I think it was about two inches over the nose, like beauty flare, nice curl. Um, we, uh, it was actually quite shocking. Like we hiked in, but, um, there were some guys that were flying in from another area and, you know, there was, it was a lot busier up there than I obviously had hoped. Um, we actually ended up on a mountain where there was, um, two other guys so we kind of had a conversation that morning and uh, we just kind of went separate ways and we went to go hunt on the backside, um, which I think, you know, we're brand new to sheep hunting um, for stones. We'd done, you know, the big horns a little bit and, you know, we're, we spent a lot of time yield deer hunting and, um, you know, we got them figured out pretty well where to the point where, you know, we get a little pickier when it comes to what we're taking and um, we're definitely more than okay with, you know, eating tags and 
um, you know, not shooting something. So we were kind of went up there with an open mind and knew that like, it's gotta be a for sure sheep to, for us to take it. And, um, you know, opening morning, we found ourselves on uh, 11 rams and I still, I kind of laugh because the one video, the one ram, I even say like, I'm like, wow, he's way over the nose. And, you know, they, they turn and spin. And then I think we watched those sheep for another three hours and we just didn't get the right look at them. And we're like, oh, there they go. Watch them walk around the corner and and uh, they were gone. And it turned out that those uh, those other two campers that we split up from um, earlier on in the morning, they ended up uh, finding those rams and they ended up taking them. That one, that one big ram, he was totally legal, you know, but just rookie sheep hunters and just, you know, not, not being positive and not being sure we're more than okay to just watch them walk away. And, you know, we actually were seeing other bands of rams around. So it was, you know, we were still optimistic and, you know, as the days started to drag on and we were seeing, you know, we were seeing rams every day, but, um, you know, not, nothing like that, that one. And, um, you know, we just, uh, started to lose a little bit of faith. I guess in the the mountain we had picked and figured our we had a blue our chance and I think it was on day six um, I was kind of glassing some adjacent mountains and it was a, through this big valley thick forest and then up to this little tiny knob and there was like there's no other kind of high country around it but it was like this little barren knob and I spotted eight sheep so set up spotter. Sure enough, like two look really big, but you know, they're probably two kilometers away and we can't tell if they're legal or not, of course. And, but we felt like we had kind of exacerbated our area and we figured let's just go for it. So we kind of packed up camp and, and went for it. And it took us, I think we got up there. It was probably around two hours before dark. By the time we got to the knob and the knob was probably only maybe seven, 800 yards long, like it's just a tiny little bald knob. And we get up there and we're kind of looking where they were. And by the time we got out of the valley, we, like they weren't there. So we're kind of creeping along, creeping along. And all of a sudden we look and about four or 500 yards away, we just see sheep looking over his shoulder on the edge of this little rock face, looking back at us. And, and then they just kind of trotted down towards the timber so we kind of hurried up along the backside just to hoping that we can get a look at them at some point or see where they went and they couldn't couldn't see them and there was kind of like a little blind face that we couldn't see and i could see one exit shoot and he could see the other my brother he he ran a little further ahead we were only about maybe 200 yards apart and we were pretty positive they were still down there and we we kind of like slowly start creeping in on my side to see if I could like maybe push them around the face towards my brother. And I'm creeping, creeping, and all of a sudden I look and they're all they're all tucked right at the bottom of this face. And it's like they're so close together, they're almost standing on top of each other. And right away I see ones like clearly legal. You know, he, he, they're only maybe 200 yards below me. And 
at the same time, they kind of saw me and they spun and started running out the, the, around the, the face and they started coming across the slide and uh, I kind of like yelled over to my brother. I'm like, get ready. They're coming. And all of a sudden I, I like, I kind of walked to the top and, and they're, they're just walking across the slide. And my brother's the kind of guy he like, he's got to count something 10 times before he's, uh, he's going to take a poke at it. Like, you know, moose, elk, everything like he, he doesn't want to make a mistake. And, you know, well, that's, that's, that's a good, good method. Good. Yeah. Good absolutely. Way to practice. <laughs> So anyways, the, these ramps pop out and it was about a, probably a 60 yard window before they kind of disappeared off the end of the knob into the timber. And I, I see the ramp pop out and like, I, I already, I know it's him hundred percent. And cause like none of the other rams were even close to full curl. And he w- just sauntered his way right across the, the opening and into the timber and I like, you know, a little disappointed seeing, seeing him kind of sneak away, but like, you know, he's got to be sure. And you know, you can't, you can't, you can't fault the guy for, you know, he's the one pulling the trigger. He's the one who's got to, to make sure. Right. And, uh, yeah, they ended up diving into the timber and they were gone. Um, so we kind of backed out and we went and set up camp on the very end of the knob and, it wasn't probably maybe five, 10 minutes before light. All of a sudden we looked at the far end of the knob you, that we could see and boom, there's a ram standing there. So we're like, they're back. And, uh, you know, there was kind of last light, only the one ram We're like, oh, we'll just leave them here. I bet they'll be, they'll be here in the morning up here. Cause there was like, there was almost nowhere to go. That wasn't like, you know, two, three K of timber until they got to the next mountain almost. So we kind of, slept on it, waited him out and we hiked in first thing in the morning and kind of expected him to be in the same area. There was kind of like a big slide that had a ton of feed. So we figured they'd be there in the mornings and we were kind of walking slow and my brother was kind of cutting a little lower and I was, I went straight up over the top and I'm walking and all of a sudden I'm getting almost to the end of the knob and I'm just walking super slow and all of a sudden I'd look and 12 yards away, there's a ram bedded looking straight at me and I'm like, like busted, like so bad. Uh, and I like, I freeze and then I'm looking and then all of a sudden I, I like just see the top of a horn of another one just to his left. And I'm like, there they are. Like they're all, they're all right here. So I just like, I literally just, I was like, I was kind of crouching a bit and I, I kind of just popped up and looked straight at them all. They were all like less than 20 yards bedded down. And right away I'm like, there he is like looking at him eye to eye. And, uh, he ended up, they kind of spilled over this little knob and then there, there's, I probably had 80 yards to the timber and, uh, you know, took a poke at him and got him. But uh, yeah, it was it was just crazy, like being being that close, like just a no, a no doubter. It was it was pretty awesome. What what goes through your head in that moment when you you know you you peek your head up and you just see all the rams standing there again, like the adrenaline take over. You're like, oh shit, I better like it's it's on now, kind of deal. Or what's going through your head at that moment? I, I like at that moment, like they knew I was in their kitchen. Like, and, and like, I, I knew they weren't going to stick around. So it was like, you, you kind of got to react and 
Like, you know, if, if, if I would have ducked back down to hide, he'd already seen me. Like, there's no point hiding again. Cause like, like Steve was saying, you're, they think you're a predator all of a sudden. Why else would you hide? Right. So you kind of like in those moments, like I do a deer hunt too. Like if I know a deer sees me, I don't hide again. I'll, I'll be almost expose myself. So they see what I am. And I feel like they're less scared if you go and try to hide again. Um, like I, I do a lot of timber hunting and, and like, I, I don't know, they, do they just freeze and kind of look at you if they don't run away? Right. So you kind of, sometimes you get an extra look at them just fully exposing yourself. Yeah. I found that with uh black tails before they, if you try to hide again, they're, they're gone. But if you just stand up straight, they're like, Oh, I don't know what you are, but you're not going to yeah. eat me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's- yeah. Black, black bears as well. Yeah. Right. It's if you, if you put that little, slink in there they're like uh oh they their guard up goes up immediately yeah so what uh go ahead uh yeah that's just kind of a a big thing i do when it comes to stalking is like try and try to be as less predator like as you can be and i, I feel like you, you see more animals like it's it's kind of a weird concept because like you know you want to be sneaky and stealthy but like yeah i don't know that like one of my best mule deer areas like you can't sneak into it it's so thick but like if you crash your way into them they're just like oh you're a moose and they just let you walk right into them it's pretty incredible yeah so as your uh your first real backcountry sheep experience what's your big takeaways things you you know you wish you did differently obviously you were successful so like you don't wish that but is there things you wish you brought in with you or mistakes you, you made? Uh, I went in with pretty good gear. Uh, definitely have no complaints there. You know, I, at the time I went in, I was probably only confident to about, you know, 400 yards with the rifle. Um, there's definitely more. There's a lot of opportunity if a guy could reach out a little further, but, you know, at the same time with a lot of the topography that you get in sheep country, you can, you know, sure it takes a little more effort, but you can sneak around and, and try to close those distances to try to get it under 400 yards. Pretty, pretty easy from what we've seen anyways. And, um, yeah, I mean, the first year we went in, we didn't have the best spotter. Um, so like, you know, we upgraded and me and my brother, um, he ended up buying a, a nice Swaro and, you know, going in with my one buddy who had been quite a few times, um, like, you know, obviously rationing what you're bringing in. Like we share a spotter between two guys. We only got one camp stove and, you know, one tent and you try to minimalize everything to, so everyone's kind of packing the least they can. Um, definitely, definitely helped having some, some knowledge, um, you know, from him to, to kind of help out and, helped us out a lot for sure otherwise we probably would have been packing big pillows and you know everything else you don't need up there right yeah no it's gear splitting is always handy to start to get accustomed to that the past few years makes everybody's lives a little easier yep fire logs right who carries those yeah (laughs) (laughs) ever draws a short straw no um any advice on someone going for their first sheep hunt like you, you know study as much as you can glass as much as you can even just head up to local mountains to get your eyes on sheep practice aging things like that 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely uh, like, you know, even you jump on the internet and you can find a couple, uh, you know, sheep aging quizzes that you can take. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. Like there's lots of good YouTube videos out there for, for guys for aging sheep. I definitely wouldn't call myself, uh, you know, an expert by any means still to this day. Um, but you know, there's try to do the best you can and definitely try to lean on the more conservative edge with counting. And, you know, it's, uh, like, uh, you know, my brother got pretty lucky this year. They stumbled onto an 11 year old Ram. He got his first sheep this year as well. Um, which is pretty incredible. Um, you know, they pick, picked a totally new area on, you know, like, you know, Google Earth and the river and, um, and uh, find a new place to hike in and, and uh, you know, paid dividends, obviously. They stumbled onto a pretty nice old ram all by itself and um, they closed the distance. And I think he, he took them on day three of their sheep hunt and, you know, they picked a new area. It had a lot less sheep and got lucky just found mr right so i don't know if you you said it before but uh when he let you know that he he got a ram so was that after he was in the bush or you get a inreach message or zolio message or something let you know he lived that excitement with him a bit yeah he uh he actually bored my inreach and uh so i was kind of keeping in tabs with him and you know, I was the, the odd man out this year on the sheep hunt with a new baby girl at home. And so it was kind of nice to almost feel along for the ride. And, you know, me and him spent the past two years um, hunting sheep together and, um, you know, had definitely a lot of close calls and definitely would have loved to have been there in person for his first one. Um, but, you know, that's kind of nice thing about the, you know, the satellite devices we have these days is, you know, the guys who are sitting at home get a feel part of it a little bit and kind of yeah see the see what see like or sorry they're uh just kind of yeah be a part of it yeah no those are some of my uh one of my favorite things during hunting season is getting the messages from other people actually it's it's pretty neat you open up your phone it's like they're they're there in the moment and you're seeing it's like oh you know you wish you were there but at the same time you're you're excited for them, especially if it's your brother, your hunting partner. It's, mm -hmm. it's big. Yeah, totally agree. Got any uh, future sheep aspirations now that the, you get the newborn? So you're going to wait a season or get out later this season for before it closes locally? Um, I'm not really sure if I'm going to be able to make it work this year for, uh, you know, for trying to chase some big horns around. Um, I'm actually leaving tomorrow night for, uh, a mountain goat LEH that I got. Um, so, uh, I've been pretty lucky with the LEH system. I've had that draw three years now in the past six years. Um, so, you know, as much as some people hate the system, it, it, <laughs> some people, I guess they get a little lucky with it sometimes. But uh, <laughs> the ones that hate are the ones that don't draw. Yeah, exactly. There, there's definitely people. Yeah, there's definitely people listening right now, cursing your name for a goat draw three years, three times. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about that, and you know, spent obviously a, a little bit of time in the area and know know where they should be anyway. So we're hoping to uh, to get into them 
for uh, Friday. But uh, yeah, as far as Beautiful. Bighorns go, we'll kind of see how the next couple of weekends go. And, you know, obviously uh, most of the time I'm a weekend warrior here. So it uh, see how much time I can get away with. And, you know, might drag my little guy up with a pair. I just got him a new little pair of binos. So see if we can get him into seeing some sheep would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that. It's awesome when the kids get to lay eyes on things like that. So I always swear by um, doing when we do our sheep counts is I always push people with kids. I'm like, just bring them out. You know, if it's the the Spencer sheep count, there's almost a guarantee that you can get eyes on sheep that day. You know, some of our other ones along the Fraser are a little bit tougher. The herds are suffering, but you know, getting the kids out and seeing the sheep, you know, people don't realize they're they're close to us. They're not as far away as everybody seems to think. But of all your um, your hunting growing up, and you know you're obviously doing well these past few years. You got a, a favorite animal to hunt? It's like what's your what's your go to? Mine's always been mountain mule deer. So it's I've actually was asked that yesterday from uh, I got a new guy at work who's never been hunting before, and and uh, I couldn't really give him an answer either. It uh, they all kind of have their own draw. Um, you know, sheep is like, you know, if you're going for thin horns, it's the adventure, like, you know, none of it's easy. You got to go into some pretty wild terrain, um, you know, beautiful terrain. Um, you know, sometimes you see lots, sometimes you don't see much, you know, that goes with any animal, but you know, moose I find are, they're fun. They're, they're super easy to talk to and um, you know, I, I feel like that's the best animal for beginners to kind of get into, you know, coercing with, uh, with animals. Um, they seem to play a lot more than, you know, elk seem to be pretty, pretty wily. Um, you know, there's elk are definitely the most fun because of how vocal they are. Um, mule deer is just a whole lot of glassing, you know, especially that, you know, the Alpine stuff, you get up high and like, I feel like you can just glass forever. And all of a sudden there's one standing there, right? Like they, they pop out of nowhere. It can be a very frustrating hunt. And, and I find that a lot with newer hunters that I bring out that they get super frustrated because, you know, you'll be glassing the same bowl for hours and you don't see nothing. Then all of a sudden there's three bucks standing there. You know, like they just show up out of nowhere, right? Whereas, you know, moose and elk, you, you know, sure it can happen the same, but it's usually usually you're hunting thicker country and you can't see as far. And, um, you know, not some guys are, you know, in the steeper stuff in the Kootenays or something, and then you know, glass and some alpine. And but you know, we we've been hunting up north here for far back as I can remember, like my dad's, you know, he's turning 70 this year and he's been hunting up in the peace now for, since he was moved out from Saskatchewan in his early twenties. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty just awesome spending time and wandering the province and, you know, lots of sea, lots of chase. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you find yourself, uh, focusing your hunts on specific areas or do you try to spread it out amongst the province to get a taste of everything? Cause you know, you, you look at your social media and what you do, it seems like you're all over the place. You're, you're blacktail hunting up in the 
the coastal mountains, you're whitetail hunting here, you're mule deer hunting there, you're backcountry sheep hunting, you're up in the peace hunting elk. Like it's seems like you got a little little piece of everything going on there. Yeah, I think it's you know from me living all over this province and kind of learning different areas and um, I definitely do. Like I, I like I know a couple guys think that I'm always hunting the same spots, but like I I literally just pick a new spot and kind of I'll go like you say I'll go whitetail hunting one day and then I'll be you know mule deer hunting the, the next weekend and blacktail hunting and like same thing like I have so many like I you know I was you know obviously not married with kids and bound by as much time free time as I am these days so um I spent you know every every weekend every day off I had out in the bush you know if I wasn't fishing I was scouting I was putting out trail cameras or learning different areas looking for sign you know going out camping um lots of people like want to just go into the woods and get something but it's you know sometimes you got to put in that time and, and learn these areas and and you know thankfully i've spent a lot of time doing that where i kind of have different areas that i know at different times a year are, are better than others and you know it takes a lot of trial and error to to kind of narrow things down and, and you know obviously married with kids and bound by the time that i have uh, you know i get luckier than most I, I you know it seems but i've spent a lot of time figuring out those areas to kind of make my time very valuable yeah, big emphasis on getting out there and throughout the year and kind of patterning the animals if you can. So just going in blind always helps to make things a little more successful anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, like some of my mule deer areas, like they're, the deer are literally there all year long, you know, and and, and then I got other areas that aren't too far away. And, and like I bet you those deer migrate in probably 80K at least, you know, from summer to winter range. Like it's, it's so, I find it so random area to area, you know, like, you know, like that, you know, they're not that far away, but for whatever reason, those, some, some of those little pockets hold deer all year long. Like I've shot, I got three very nice deer, you know, in the past, what's it, it's probably six years now, seven years. And, you know, three of those big bucks are from like a 300 yard circle that I found that just holds big deer. And it's just a, a weird little nook that they're just there. It's all year. Like it's crazy. Like a weird little solitude. Nobody bugs them. And- yeah. Well, we don't mind if you send us those GPS coordinates after either. So <laughs> <laughs> nope. of course, of course. Yeah. Now, you might not have a moment, but it seems like almost every hunter, especially guys who have been doing it as long as you have, have that that uh-oh moment in the woods. You've got that close call with an animal or a, a close call with weather where you're just caught off guard, in trouble. Have you ever had had a moment that stands out to you? Uh, in one in particular, if you got a couple, we're all ears. Um, on my second stone sheep hunt was probably the, the, probably the scariest moment I've had was we were like up near the peak of this one mountain 
and you know black cloud rolling in we're you know we're still kind of glass and knowing it's going to rain soon we're all prepared for it you know throwing the rain gear and just take the wave and then uh all of a sudden the closer this cloud got the more lightning started to hit like all of a sudden we're like we got to get out of here like you know we're up near the peak never know what's going to happen you know packing our guns and I could literally feel my gun in my hand and the electricity through it, like as I'm walking. And that was like, you know, right away, I just laid it on the ground and walked away from it because I'm like, piece of metal up this high in the mountain, like never know what's going to happen. You know, I uh, like, you know, I work on power lines, um, you know, as, for my career and, you know, don't want to be uh, getting you know, a bolt of electricity through me that's, you know, from lightning and be kind of a fun, not a funny way to go, but an interesting way to go. If uh, getting whacked by lightning and, you know, while playing with power lines all, all day during work. What? Yeah. That, that make it kind of unique in your situation. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with high voltage, your, your linemen. What, what's going through your head at that moment? Like you, you feel that electrical, buzz and i know the i know the buzz you're talking about i've i've felt it before not from lightning but i've i've you know the hair standing up on the back of your hands and your arms and your neck and you're just you know you're trained you're just like oh this is this is not a good situation yeah you could just you could just feel like you say you just feel the like this is not good like that moment when like feeling feeling like you could feel felt like my gun was charging up like it was just getting ready to get whacked right in my hand it was not good didn't didn't like it <laughs> yeah i can i can understand that one done a few pitch and putts here walking around with a golf course golf course with a club and you feel it it's like no i couldn't imagine being in that situation no thanks well all right just trying to think here you know you're raised in the lower mainland so you're definitely you got some blacktail hunting in your blood too you got uh, a good blacktail story you're willing to share uh most of my blacktail hunting you know there's definitely uh some local deer that uh hang around um i've spent you know lots of time looking for blacktails and i spent a lot of time not seeing blacktails um by far the hardest here to hunt um until you kind of find them and with blacktails from my experiences where trumps how like it, it if you're not there where they are like you're not going to see them and like the west coast terrain like if there's deer there like especially once you're in the timber like you see trails like there's so much sign like like you know there's not a lot of regrowth here once you're in the timber so like it's old dark timber and like a lot of those trails are probably you know 100 years old or those deer just always been there um so i've kind of spent time and found some of those areas and i uh i found a spot was that two or three years ago and like lots of trails, you know, and like, that's just through trial and error of just literally just pounding the hills with hiking around and found a spot with a ton of signs. So 
I uh, set a bunch of trail cameras up and ended up going back into uh, to pull them in the winter time that year. And all the deer were in one spot. So I'm like, like, it was so weird. Like, you know, I probably drove 8K a road and all the deer were in this one spot in the snow with tracks in the snow. So I'm like, next, you know, next year comes around. Uh, I show up for the rut and I'm like, well, let's just go walk around here. And literally just started walking around, cut a huge buck track right away. And I'm like, you know, it's uh, this, again, a, a super steep, ugly, um, rocky kind of mountain ridge. And, you know, typical West Coast terrain. And, like, I follow the tracks and he goes right up to the top. And I'm, as soon as I get up on top, I'm walking around super slow. It's, you know, it's a foot and a half of salal in the timber um and as soon as i get on top it's again it's probably 500 yards at the top of the the peak and it kind of flattens out and i'm creeping through the salal and i just look 200 yards to my left and i just see a white face in the salal and put up my binoculars and i just see like heavy heavy bases and that's all i could see and you know region two any buck i just see big heavy bases i'm like shooter all day long um and i could i could just see enough of his body him still laying down just watching me and then squeezed one off behind the, the shoulder and ended up being like a super big wide he was i think he was 21 inches wide big three point um but again just putting in the work and um you know a little bit of scouting and put me right into that area and you know again for, for myself lucked into another really nice buck oh you, you use the term luck but uh you you do put in the work you're one you're a deserving guy for sure you, there's no question you're always out there you're putting in the, the pre-scouting like you said you looked the year before you had your cameras out um yeah and then you know what you say I've, I've, I've heard a saying about blacktail hunting a few times where it's you know 10% of the deer are in 90% of the area and then 90% of the deer are in 10% of the area. You just got to, you got to find that pocket. You found that pocket and you got probably got a spot you've been back to a few times I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we've taken three deer out of that little pocket now. Um, like, like you say, we have another pocket locally here that, uh, you know, is, pretty pretty bountiful it seems with uh, the amount of deer walking around in that and my brother arrowed a nice buck in there last year um which is the first year we've actually taken out of that area um but there's there's two really nice deer still hiding in there um one's got a super goofy frame that like i'm assuming this uh this horn base or something must be messed up but it, it, his antler is almost like a wave it's super weird but he's a, a, a weird little four point but uh, yeah, super super cool, unique buck. Right on. Well, I, I I've really enjoyed this conversation, Joe. You know, it's good, almost a, a hunter session, shoot shoot the shit kind of deal. It was uh, really enjoyable for me. Hopefully, Steve enjoyed oh, yeah, it. Totally. Quiet. Oh yeah, yeah. I was the hype man. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was awesome. Uh, I, I always enjoy getting to hear 
hear actual on the ground stories, right? So that no, was awesome. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.